I'm so glad that you're here today. It's been a busy day for us as a staff, but also just a wonderful day just to celebrate with you and just saw the baptism of a young man down in the Life Center and uh, just what great crowds we've had in our services. So thank you for being part of this time of worship today. Here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to take your Bible in one hand, open to 1 Corinthians 15, and just kind of lay that to the side. We'll get to it in just a moment. Also, if you are... Uh, if you have a bulletin with you, I want you to find that bulletin now, and we're going to use that at the end of the message. So I want you to have those two things readily available. Your Bible, open to 1 Corinthians 15, and your bulletin laying there to your side, and we'll get to that at the end of the message. <clears throat> On Monday, the world witnessed an enormous fire at the 850-year-old Cathedral of Notre Dame. Construction began on this beautiful cathedral in 1163. It took 97 years to build, which is an incredible thing to think about, that if you started the construction of the Cathedral of Notre Dame, you could work on it your entire lifetime and not see it completed. 97 years after it was completed, it stood as one of the most famous churches in the world. It's still today stands as one of the most famous churches in the world, hosting, get this number, 12 million visitors a year. Can you imagine a million visitors per month coming to see the, the Cathedral of Notre Dame? Well, we watched in horror as the cathedral burned this past Monday, and then after the fire was extinguished, there was a picture published of the interior of the building. And amid the ruins and ashes stood a beautiful gold cross. The picture of the cross still standing amid the ruins of Notre Dame was seen around the world as a powerful picture of hope. I saw a tweet by Greg Steyer who said, The cross of Christ and the empty tomb are the hinges on the door of hope for all humanity. Upon these hinges, this door opens wide to all who put their faith in Jesus. Well, I just want to ask you a question today as we gather today in this beautiful facility that we have. My question for you today on this Easter Sunday is simply this. Have you ever considered placing your faith in Jesus? Today's a good day to at least think about that possibility. Today is a wonderful day to at least consider that as an option. Maybe your life is in ruins and ashes right now. And the story of Jesus' death and His burial and His resurrection is a story that you need to hear because the story of His death, burial, and resurrection is a story intended for you. You see, no matter what your life has been like in the past, your story can change and your life can be different because of the resurrection. In fact, I want you to look at this verse in Romans 6, 4. We'll put it on the screen. We were therefore buried with Him, with Jesus, through baptism into death, in order, watch this, just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. You see, the truth of the matter, Easter and the empty tomb was not for Jesus, it was for us. It was for all of us. It was for any of us. Look at Romans 4.25, it makes that so clear. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. 
You see, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, and the Easter story was not for Jesus. It was for us. Easter is not just an amazing story in the Bible. Easter is God's way of showing you that your life can be different. Your past can be erased, your sins can be forgiven, your story can be rewritten, and your future can be better than you ever dreamed it could be. Billy Graham said it this way, listen carefully. He said the most important events in human history were the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he's absolutely right. You tell me anything else more important than those two things. Most important events in all of human history, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 15. He's talking about those two most important events in human history. The two most important things that you need to understand, Paul records for us in 1 Corinthians 15. He begins chapter 15 by telling these folks to whom he hasn't seen in in five years, he says, I want to remind you of something. He hasn't seen these these folks in the church at Corinth in five years, and so he he says, now brothers, verse 1, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, and on which you have taken your stand. See, Easter is a time to vividly remember some things. So Paul says, I want to remind you of the gospel. Now the word gospel literally means good news. So Paul says, I want to remind you, church, of the good news. And why was it considered good news? Well, it was considered, what Paul was preaching was good news because Paul was preaching about the resurrection. And the good news is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ answers the three most important questions in life. Those questions are these. Is there life after death? Is there victory over sin? And is there hope for me? Paul answers all three of those questions in this text. And I want to read the text with you and today answer those questions for you. The first question is this one. Is there life after death? You know, in the Old Testament... Many, many years ago, there was a man named Job. And he asked a very similar question. Job says, if a man dies, will he live again? People have been asking that question for a long time. They've been asking that question for centuries. Generation after generation has been asking that question. What happens on the other side of the grave? What happens after they put me in the ground? Is there life after death? Well, in verses 3 and 4, Paul begins by saying, yes, there is life after death, but it's because of the resurrection. Look how he describes it in verses 3 and 4. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, He was raised on the third day according to Scriptures, and that He appeared to Peter and then to the twelve, And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. Now, that doesn't mean he had physical abnormalities, but he was not in a relationship with God is what that is talking about. Now, here's what you need to understand as Paul describes for us in verses 3 and 4. He says, I want you to understand something about this resurrection. I want you to understand something about this Easter message. I want you to understand the good news. First of all, he would say, you need to understand 
that the thing that makes this good news good is that it's based on facts, not theory. It's not a mythology. But the good news is based on facts. First of all, he says, Christ died for our sins. And would you notice that it says he died for our sins? It doesn't say that he died for his own sins. Christ died for our sins. Fact number one, Christ died, yes, but he died for our sins. Fact number two, he was buried. It's confirmation that he really was dead. It's confirmation he really did die on the cross. You don't bury somebody that's alive. You bury somebody after they've died. He was buried, Paul says. But watch this. Fact number three. And on the third day, he came up out of the grave just like the Scriptures said he would. Now, what did Jesus say about this resurrection experience? Well, in John 14, Jesus said this, Because I live, you can live. You see, if Jesus did not live past the grave, how could we possibly ever hope to do so too? Does that make sense to anybody? That that if He never made it past the grave, how could we possibly hope to make it past the grave? But because Jesus is living, never to die again, He can offer us eternal life. Can somebody say amen? You see, on that first Easter Sunday, Jesus demonstrated for you and for me and for all of us that there is indeed life after death. When He came up out of that grave, He was showing the world there can be life after death. In fact, John eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. How do we know those words are true? I mean, really, how do we know that these words in John eleven twenty five? 25, how do we know that these words are true? It's because of the resurrection. I want to tell you something. When a man repeatedly predicts his own death, and then he steps out of his own grave, he is anything that he says he is, and he can do everything he says he can do. Is there life after death? You look at the, Jesus, when he came up out of the grave, he was declaring, yes, there can be for you something beyond the grave. There can be for you life after death. Because he's the living Savior, he can offer us eternal life. Number two, question number two is this one. Is there victory over sin? Paul says plainly, if there were no Easter, the answer would be no. Let me skip down to verse 17 and let me give you the context before we read the verse. Paul is addressing, there were some in the church that were questioning the resurrection. And so Paul is addressing this dilemma that these people were wrestling with. And and here's how Paul answers them, those who had questioned the resurrection. Let's actually start in verse 14. He says, and if Christ has not been raised, he said, our preaching is useless. So is your faith. More than that, we're, we're then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. Now, verse 17 and 18, follow closely. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is what, church? Futile. And you are still in your sins. Paul said, I want you to understand something. Our preaching is useless, and so is your faith, if there is no resurrection. 
Ladies and gentlemen, our faith does not stand on a denomination. Our faith does not even stand on doctrine. Our faith stands on a person, and His name is Jesus Christ, and He resurrected from the dead. That's the reason we have faith. You see, if you have a dead Savior, you have no Savior. If Christ is dead, then so are we. I want you to notice six important words in verse 17. Paul says in verse 17, you are still in your sins. You see, sin is a fatal and universal problem. And if Christ has not been raised from the dead, Paul says there's, you have no way to overcome that universal fatal problem. If there is no resurrection, you have no hope. You are still in your sins. The Bible says that sin is a problem for every one of us. Look at this verse, Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In other words, this is a universal problem. This is a problem every one of us wrestles with. This is a problem we all have to deal with. It is a problem you're facing right now. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the Bible also says not only is it a universal problem, but there are some wages to be paid for living a life of sin. He says it this way, for the wages of sin, what you get out of living a life of sin is death. Eternal separation from God and eternal separation in hell. That's death. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is what kind of life? Only a living Savior can offer you that. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, sin is what messed up your life. Sin is your rebellion against God. Sin is what guarantees that you're going to die. Sin is what will condemn you to an eternity in hell. So, the question is, is there victory over sin? Is there a way to overcome this sin problem that we all have? And the answer is, yes. Because of His death, burial, and resurrection, we can have victory over sin. I want to show you this in the text. I want you to link two verses in your Bible. You might want to mark them and kind of draw a line from one to the other one. The first one is in verse 3. In verse 3, he says, For what I have received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. I would underline Christ died for our sins. We've already looked at that. just want to make sure it's marked in your Bible. He says, first of all, you need to understand the cross. Here's what Christ was doing on the cross. He died for our sins. But now, link that verse to verse 17. Look what he says. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. And underlying this, you are still in your sins. And get the picture. Verse 3, he says, Christ died on the cross for our sins. Verse 17, he says, but if there is no resurrection, you're still in your sins. Paul is making the startling statement that the death of Jesus has no eternal value if He did not rise from the dead. Paul is saying the cross of Jesus was powerless if He did not rise from the dead. Yes, He died for your sins. Yes. Verse 3. Verse 17. But if He did not rise from the dead, then that death was useless and powerless. You see, Jesus claimed to be the Son of God. And He claimed to die for the sins of the world. But if He had not been raised from the dead, what evidence would we have that what He claimed was true? Any liar can claim He's God's Son. 
any lunatic can claim that he was dying for the sins of the world. But only the Lord could be raised from the dead to destroy the penalty of death and sin. See, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is what guarantees us that God has accepted the payment of His Son's death as a payment for our sin. Romans 4.25 puts it this way. I love this verse, Romans 4.25. They're going to put it up. Romans 4.25. All right. It says this, He was delivered over to death for our sins and raised to life for our justification. Watchman Nee said it this way. Listen carefully. Watchman Nee said, Our old history ends with the cross and our new history begins with the resurrection. Isn't that good? You've got to have both, don't you? You have to have the cross, Jesus dying for your sins, but you also have to have the resurrection to make that death powerful. Is there victory over sin? Yes. The resurrection proves it. The third question, though, is a very important question. The third question is this one. Is there hope for me? Pastor, I understand what you've said. An intriguing thought. But what I'm really wrestling with is, is there hope for me? Pastor, you don't understand what I've been through this week or you don't understand the consequences I'm living with. You don't know the ruins and the ashes that I find my life in right now. And I really need to know. I hear all of this stuff, but is there hope for me? Listen to me. Up in the balcony, down the lower floor, listen to me. The message of Easter isn't simply that Jesus rose from the dead. Let me say that again. Listen. The message of Easter isn't simply that Jesus rose from the dead. It's that He can resurrect your life too. You can have a new life. I find it interesting when I read the Bible that the Word of God does not dwell on trying to convince us that we're sinners. Because we know that, don't we? Deep down, we know that we're sinners. Deep down, we know that we struggle with an inner thing called a sin nature. We know that. But instead, instead of trying to convince us that we're sinners, there is story after story after story in the Bible where people have been changed by the power of Jesus. That's really the message of the Bible. Story after story of how people have been changed by the power of Jesus. That's the message of the Bible. Is there hope for me? And the answer is yes. Because of the death, burial, and resurrection, watch this, you can have volume two written of your life story. You see, everybody has a volume one. That's the story you've been writing your whole life. But when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, watch this, you can close volume one forever and allow God to start writing volume two. That's why some of you need desperately right now. Volume 1 has been a hard book to read, hasn't it? It's been a hard book to write. Volume 1 is the story you've been writing, and the ending isn't very good. But today, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection, you can close Volume 1 forever and allow God to start writing Volume 2. In fact, this change that God offers you, is so powerful and so dramatic that the Bible refers to it as being born again. That is, that your life is so different than it used to be. 
It's like you're born all over again. It's like you're a totally different person. I love the story that I read recently. It's a true story about a Muslim man who was saved in Africa. This Muslim man became a Christian in Africa. His friends were very upset with him that he had converted to becoming a follower of Christ. And so some of his friends gathered around him and very angrily asked him, Why have you become a Christian? And he answered, Well, it's like this. Suppose you're going down the road and suddenly the road forked in two directions. And you didn't know which way to go. And there at the fork were two men, one dead and one alive. Which one would you ask which way to go? I'm going to tell you something. There is a living Lord who can tell you which way you need to go. He can point the direction. In fact, He doesn't just point the direction. He declares, I am the way. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father, Jesus said, except through me. You see, the resurrection, if it proves anything, it proves that there is no problem too big for God. The resurrection demonstrates the power of of God. He brought a dead body back to life. Now, once he did that, it's interesting, after he resurrected, who he appeared to, to prove that he was indeed alive. Paul addresses that in this chapter. I want you to look at verse 7 and 8. Paul mentions three people by name. Jesus, went after his resurrection... He appeared to groups of people, but he also appeared to individuals. And let's look and see what all this is about. People that he singled out. Verse 5, Paul says, And that he appeared to who, church? To Peter. And then to the twelve, a group. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, a group, most of whom are still living. That is, when Paul wrote this letter, he was saying, if you want to go ask them, you can go ask them because they're still alive, they're still living, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to who? To James. He mentions James by name. And then to all the apostles, again a group. And last of all, he appeared to me, to Paul. Now why? Did Jesus take the time after his resurrection to appear to these three people and why were they mentioned by name? Well, it's interesting that the people that are mentioned are not plastic, perfect people who are mentioned, but actually they're people who struggled. People who were flawed and faithless and failures. We should listen very carefully. When you look at the people that Jesus singled out at his resurrection, in verse 5, he appeared to Peter. You know why? Peter denied him. Peter absolutely denied that he knew Jesus. He cursed and said, I don't know this man. And then he also appeared to another guy, a man named James, in verse 7. James was Jesus' brother. And James doubted him. You may not realize this, you may not know this, but Jesus' own family, when he began to say, I am the Messiah, I'm sent from God to be Savior of the world, his own family had a problem dealing with that. They thought he was out of his mind. His own family said, you're nuts. Now, that's what his family said. In fact, one day he was speaking in a place called Capernaum, and the Bible says they came to get him to take him home. They were worried about him. But... 
One of the people that Jesus appeared to was not just a big group. He appeared to his brother, to James, who doubted him. Then the third person that he appeared to was Paul. Why did he appear to Paul? Verse 8. He appeared to Paul because Paul was a man who despised him. Paul hated Jesus. He wanted to eradicate the world of Jesus and everyone connected to Jesus. So the question is, is there hope for me? I think one of the reasons Jesus appeared to these three people is to say to everyone, there is hope for anybody. Even if you have denied him, even if you have doubted him, even if you have despised him, there is hope for everybody and for anybody. You see, you and I need to know that Easter is not just, the Easter message is not just an announcement, it's an offer. Please understand that. The Easter message is not an announcement. It's an offer. You see, the message of Easter is too good to miss. God wants you to respond to the greatest news the world has ever heard. Because it is a life-changing message that is as true today as it was the first Easter morning. But listen to this. Just understanding what I've talked about today will not get you to heaven. And, and even agreeing with what we've talked about today will not get your sins forgiven. The Bible puts it this way, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Your life will be changed. Is there hope for me? Absolutely. Absolutely. But you can't just understand the gospel. You have to respond to it. You can't just know what the gospel is. You have to act on it. Here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to bow your heads. Please, no one get up to leave. Please do not do that. This is a holy time. As I just want to talk to you. Again, if you're visiting, I'm not going to do anything to make you uncomfortable. I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you. But I'm going to close today with a prayer that you can pray to begin a relationship with God. If you've never had a relationship with God, but today God seems to have been speaking to you. You recognize that there is good news in the Easter message and that your life can be different. I want you to pray this prayer to begin your relationship with God. It's a prayer that, that I prayed many years ago. You see, I haven't always been a believer. There was a day in my life when I said, I believe that Jesus was dead and then He wasn't. I believe that He is the Savior of the world, that God resurrected Him from the dead and I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. In other words, there was a day when I stepped across the line and I declared, I believe. I put my faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You can do that today too. You can step across the line as you pray with me right now, you, you can pray silently or you can whisper this prayer out loud, whatever you're comfortable with. I just need you to know there's nothing magical or mystical about these words. It's really the attitude of your heart that makes the difference. But if you're ready today to pray and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to be the Lord of your life, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Just pray that prayer from your heart, not to me. From your heart, pray it to Him. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I now believe You died on the cross in my place. 
By faith I also believe that God raised you from the dead. Today I'm declaring that I need God to bring new life to my life too. So today, I'm turning from my sin. And I'm turning to you, Jesus. And I ask you to forgive me of everything that I've done wrong. I ask you to make me a new person. And I surrender my entire life to you. Come into my heart right now and be my Savior. I declare my faith in you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Now make me a new person, I pray. Every head's still bowed. If you've prayed that prayer today, I would love to know about it. And here's the way we're going to do this. First of all, when we stand to sing in a moment, you can come down front and take my hand and say, Pastor, I prayed with you and I am publicly declaring my faith in Christ. I would love for you to do that. Up in the balcony, down on the lower floor. Maybe it's your first time, but it's not about how many times have you come here. It's about what has God done in your life. And if you were sincere as you prayed, I would love you to come and just take me by the hand and say, I've prayed with you and I'm declaring and trusting Jesus today. Some of you, perhaps, you're just not ready to walk down front in front of a crowd that you don't know. So that's the reason I ask you to get that bulletin handy. Would you go ahead and look for that bulletin right now? You can open your eyes and find that bulletin. And as you look at that bulletin, there's a tear-off place there. And it, at the top it says, Welcome Guest. And then you put your name and all that. But what I really want you to focus on is that section that says, My Decision. Some of you would say, Keith, when you prayed today, I prayed to the best of my ability, I'm making Jesus Lord of my life. If that was you, would you check that first box? Just check that first box. Some of you perhaps have, have a, trusted Christ at an earlier time, but you've never followed the Lord in believer's baptism like the young man Hank did in the LC service. And you say, I know I need to take, that's my next step. You can check that box. I want to be baptized. For some of you, you would say, you know, on this Easter Sunday, I've got a deeper appreciation for what Christ has done for me. I want to renew my life to Him. I want to surrender my life fresh and anew. Would you check that box? I'm renewing my commitment to Christ. You're not getting saved all over again. You're just committing your life back to Christ. Perhaps you've drifted from Him for a while, and now you're ready like the prodigal son to come home. Maybe you need to get connected with a group of people who are walking with Jesus as their Lord and that would be a Bible study class, and you could check that box and enroll me in a Bible study class. Or finally, maybe you still have some questions and you want to talk to somebody. If you check that box, I will personally call you this week, and we'll have a conversation. I want to help you. I want to walk with you through this experience. So here's what you do. You can tear that off. You can bring it down front to me during this invitation. Or you can go to the tent out front the next steps tent, drop it off there, and we'll be in contact with you this week. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for what you've done for us, what we could never do for ourselves. And may, may we continue to celebrate the death and the burial and, yes, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because he lives, we can live too. It's in his blessed name we pray. Amen.